Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hi, folks. Uh, welcome to another episode of Pro Football in the 1970s. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Zagorski. Uh, today's topic is, how did Miami win Super Bowl VII by first losing Super Bowl VI? Now, former running back for the 1972 undefeated Miami Dolphins spoke to me recently about his team's efforts to win Super Bowl VII back at the conclusion of the 1972 NFL season. As it turned out, it took losing the biggest game of the year to enable them to win the biggest game of the year. Miami's 24-3 loss to the Dallas Cowboys in Super Bowl VI was both humbling and embarrassing at least for the players on the Dolphins roster. But it was also beneficial, although at the time it certainly did not appear to be so. The team's debilitating defeat at the hands of the Cowboys also presented one of the Miami players with a bitter sense of anger. Mercury Morris spent most of Super Bowl VI sitting on the bench. His only real action in that game came when he returned several Dallas kickoffs. After the game, Morris expressed his harsh disappointment in his lack of action to the reporters crowding into the team's post-game locker room at Old Tulane Stadium in New Orleans. Now here's his quote, This game, Super Bowl VI, was the game that allowed me to have the opportunity to play, said Morris, but not because of what went on during the game. It was because of what happened after the game. I can remember everybody else getting dressed, and I'm just sitting there pissed off because I didn't play. Now, I don't care what you call it on my part, sour grapes or anything else. They, the Cowboys, had us down, and then they tried to kick sand in our face. I was 24 years old, I think, then, but I was upset because the story was about me getting mad afterwards and being disgruntled about not playing, and we got our ass kicked. He continues, And so, one of the coaches went and told Don Shula that I was talking to the press. They told him that Morris is upset that he expected to play more than he did. As far as he was concerned, he didn't play at all, because the only time that they put him on the field was when the Cowboys kicked off. And I said that I expected to play because he, Shula, said that we were going to try to get outside of them, the Dallas defense. I said that publicly. Well, we tried and it didn't work. So he, Shula, didn't give me the opportunity to play. And then I made this. Well, it wasn't a fatal mistake. Actually, what happened was one of the coaches told him that I was talking to the press. Now keep in mind, here's a guy, meaning Don Shula, who hadn't won a big game yet. 
Now, but Morris, to his credit, was able to see the whole picture. He was actually wise beyond his years because he instinctively somehow knew that what it was going to take to get the team to obtain the Vince Lombardi trophy. He continues his quote here. We understood that there were three seasons to be involved here. The regular season, the playoff season, and if you're good enough, your season boils down to one game, he explained. And that's the one game that you've got to win. And we already knew what it was like the year before when we played that one game, Super Bowl VI, and got our asses kicked. So we were determined to come back and get ourselves in a position where we could go back to that game and redeem ourselves for that game. So we won 16 games in order to play in that one game. We just happened to go unbeaten on our way towards redeeming ourselves. He continues his quote. Even when we played Washington in Super Bowl VII, we go there and now we're the underdogs because they kept saying, oh, they can't win 17 games. Guess what? We already won 16. We only have to win one game. And that one game was the one game that we came here for in the first place. We just happened to go unbeaten. Our goal was to get back to the Super Bowl and redeem ourselves in that one game. Immediately following Miami's loss in Super Bowl VI, Shula and Morris had a verbal confrontation. Now Shula had to have been upset with his young tailback because he had the nerve to argue with him face to face. That certainly took guts. But Morris intensely felt that if Coach Shula made him the starting tailback over Jim Kick, the Dolphins and Shula would not have had to experience another loss in a Super Bowl like the one that they just endured in Super Bowl VI. And that is exactly what happened. After some soul-searching, Shula sucked up his pride and made the uh, change in his offensive backfield. He realized that he did not want a player on his roster that would just sit back on the bench and be content to sit on the bench. Shula wanted someone who wanted to stay to step forward, and that's exactly what Morris did. Shula wanted a guy who wanted to prove himself on the field, and that guy was Mercury Morris. In the end, Miami defeated the Washington Redskins in Super Bowl VII, 14-7. Their historic victory in that game made them the only perfect team with an unblemished record in NFL annals. It was, and it was achieved uh, in no small measure to the disappointment that they felt from Super Bowl VI the year before. Now for the pro football in the 1970s trivia question for this episode, Mercury Morris played against his fellow uh, collegiate uh, backfield mate in Super Bowl VI for the Cowboys. Who was that running back that Mercury Morris played against in Super Bowl VI who was uh, on the same college backfield as him? Uh, you'll be getting answers sometime in the near future. Thanks again for uh, listening in to Pro Football in the 70s, 1970s. I'm your host, Joe Zagorski. Catch you on the flip side. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. 
This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time, as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.